Episode 25. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello. Hello, I am here. And we have a guest. Yes, we Talker. Do. Hello. You're finally here. Indeed. First off, thank you for being a Patreon patron. Okay. And uh, secondly, thanks for showing up. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tucker, uh, you've brought us some delicious beer, and it's something I get a lot more often now that I live on the east side of the cities because Wisconsin's much closer. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> Wisconsin's that was my text tone. I have no idea. Oh, that was our guest uh that was supposed to be here first, Matt Durus texting me saying that son of a bitch, I forgot, and it was on my calendar and everything. Uh anyway, we've got <laughs> spotted cow. Yes. And for those that don't know, New Glarus Brewing out of what is it? New Glarus, Wisconsin. Yeah, just south of Madison, right? Uh you know, I don't know. It's other I'm side pretty of sure it's Wisconsin just south of Madison. Brewing. It's um, a brewing co op, yeah. Mm-hmm. But And I'm, they have a cow on the can. Yes. And it is spotted. It is um, a spotted cow. That would cow. be a Holstein cow. And yes, it is a Holstein cow. That's a hell of a heifer. That is, that's the sort of thing that you only know if you're from Wisconsin. Indeed. Well, and it doesn't help that I was in FFA for three years during high school, too. So I'm. Or FFA. it does help. FFA, Future Farmers of America, but now it's uh, got some fancy politically correct title. Oh. Is that how's like born-again Christians? How is that not politically correct? It's, it's a farmer. What's I, not politically correct it, about farmers? It's farmer? something about ag- bringing in agriculture, science, this, that, the other thing, you know, trying to get away from, you know, farmers are just people driving tractors and planting corn. Hmm. They so, are. I know. What about <laughs> that subsidized race fuel known as E85? Yeah, I, I don't deal with I E85. got an idea. Carburetors and E85 don't, sorry. Actually, oh, Tucker. Tucker, you already... <laughs> You're not even five minutes in, and you already ruined the podcast. I know, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go home now. Um, just leave the beer. E85 works on carburetors. You just have to have carburetors that are made for E85. Yeah. It works fine, actually. Yeah. It actually works very well. But the Weber 3236 that's on my Mazda pickup. They do make Weber E85 carburetor kits. I don't know as if they make one that's small for the 2.2 liter, yes, liter. Yeah, they do. It's out of my budget because I'm popping so. <laughs> That's fair. It's all right. Uh, anyway, I'm open this up because I've been dying to get this. Uh, for yeah. those of you who are not from Minnesota, you should know uh, in in Minnesota, New Glarus is a delicacy in the beer world. Mm-hmm. So let's open up this delicacy. Mm. Mm. Excellent pop. Very fine. Fantastic. That's what she said. Woo! <laughs> oh, it's so delicious. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. I, I don't even know how to describe this beer. It's like when I first started drinking beer drinking just garbage basically i started off like i found blue moon was like the most commonly available thing it's i a, could drink it's a cream ale isn't it this i have no idea yeah, but is. this is just like you take a blue moon and you just make it good no it's it, it, it's a i'm pretty sure it's technically a cream ale yeah they, they call it a farmhouse ale whatever they oh okay mean. so oh it is a farmhouse well no they, they make a separate farmhouse don't they no this, a farmhouse is a version of it's a very is it a future on. farmhouse of america oh my god oh. anyway we should go to the uh, question. Did you? Uh, <laughs> is my gain still cranked up for? Nope. Okay. No, you sound fine. Yeah. Uh, it sounds kind of echoey to me, but whatever. Oh. Um, it might just be me. Everything looks okay, so I hope it's fine. Maybe I just have reverb in my head. Maybe it's the lack of food, <laughs> just like depleting. The, I think that's the fat what it deposits is. Yeah. in your eardrums. I think, I think that's what yeah, it is. It's echoing. It's so empty. Um, anyway, we should get to the uh, yeah. uh, the guest questions. 
Well, Tucker, you actually listen to our podcast, even though you're, you're way behind on episodes right now, but you're at least aware of the typical questions that yes, we ask. Yes, so we've revised them just a little bit. We still have the basic ones. So let's start off with uh, what do you drive? Uh, I have a 1992 Mazda B2200 uh, pickup. Oh, yeah. 2.2 liter four-cylinder, five-speed manual, rear-wheel drive. It is a rare combination because it's a standard cab long box. It's a dope truck. It's a Japanese mini truck with a seven and a half foot box. It's, I think probably the rarest aspect of your truck is the fact that it's a Midwest vehicle that's not made of rust. Well, the body isn't made of rust. The, the frame's frame a different was. thing. It's yeah, right. but, but you fixed it. I have. It's yeah. been, it's been I paid seven hundred dollars for it, but it's it was kind of one of those deals where it, it was my only vehicle and I had to make it work, mm. so I had to fix it. And it's it's a cool enough truck to justify putting the money into it. It's not like it's a, the it's a in pretty nice truck. Shape, it's yeah. a really cool truck. It's not like it's a 97 Ranger with a 2.3. It's That's like, a horrible vehicle. No, the 2.3s are okay. The 4 liters and the 3 liters, those no, are terrible. No, just the Ranger as a whole. Yeah, I would never I, buy I a get, Ranger. I get it was made in Minnesota. That does It's not enough to make it no, cool. No, no. We're not that nepotistic. The... the the first couple of generations were still were as a mini truck. Like after they stopped making it based off the high boy, when it th- stopped being boxy, cool. it stopped being cool. Exactly, I think that's it. Everything prior to the '90s was cool for Rangers. And I believe the specification or the the clarification needs to be made that my Mazda is not one of the rebadged Rangers. No, it is a, no, it is actually a Mazda. It is a strictly Mazda built in Hiroshima Prefecture in Hiroshima, Japan, imported. You know cross on the boat it's a true japanese mini truck it is yeah and that's it's actually uh well your your truck is kind of the last i think one of the last one the last miles to pick up in the legacy of pickups that were originally captive imported by ford as a mini truck before ford made their own mini truck yep and, so. and actually, for a little while there, the Ranger and the Courier, which was the rebadged Mazda, exactly. mm-hmm. were side by side, but it wasn't long. <laughs> and Courier. everybody that bought the Ranger was a fool. <laughs> yeah, indeed. The Mazda... <laughs> the Courier I'm, is so much cooler and so much better in every way. I kind of like the off-brand rebadge stuff. Like when the what? Isuzu Ascender came out with the Trailblazer, I'm like, I would totally buy an Ascender. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or the Chevy Love versus oh, the Isuzu Pop. Man. Actually, you know, speaking of mini trucks, when we get to the uh, segment, we have, a segment that we have later, you're going to be very excited by my pick of car. Oh, oh lovely. Yes. Anyway. I'm a little terrified. This is going to be a heavily American car episode for all of you listening. Just well, so you know. We've had, we've had surprisingly... Uh, number of people well i don't think it is a number I think a surprisingly like, number of people a surprisingly large number i was there gonna say go. large and i'm like well it's not really large it's just a surprising number a surprisingly uh, tucker sized amount of folks i think i think it's really just damn balto being really loud uh saying that we need more american car coverage so here well, it is we are definitely here's to you balto yeah exactly oh dear okay american cars anyway um, That's a pretty rad truck. I yeah. like the fact that it's a manual and it's rear-wheel drive. Exactly. It's everything you love. Three pedals, two-wheel drive. The only way to have it. Exactly. And it's practical, so it really um, checks all my boxes. So, I guess I know the answer to, to this question, but we have to pre- preface your ability to be on this podcast with the question, slow car fast or fast car slow? See, now I've run this past Eric earlier, and <laughs> my answer was rejected. You said fast. Slow car, fast car, slow? No. I think I, you said slow car, slow? No, I prefer things at a medium pace. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely would have rejected that answer. I, it's, like, it's a cop-out. I, I, I mean, uh, when I have... I, before, I know it, it's not... It, 
for anybody else, it would be a cop out. But if you know Tucker, it makes sense. No. Well, I reject. That when, no, it's a stupid. It's a stupid response that should not be allowed. <laughs> but knowing Tucker, I mean, this is the one person on earth that legitimately likes the W body as a vehicle. Oh, Not just like a wow, yeah, this is good value for money, but like actually, is like w this body. is a good car. Like you're the only person on earth that actually believes that, and you're also the person that like all the Malays land yachts were made for. So, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that is a it's a reasonable answer. I mean, when I had before before I took ownership of the Mazda pickup, I did have a 2013 Hyundai Veloster uh, base model. It's fine, I liked it. Base model, you know, 138 horsepower, six-speed manual. I was going to say it was a manual. It wasn't that stupid. Yeah. Dual clutch. clutch. Um, No, the dual clutch in those is lethargic and terrible. No way. Um, I'm shocked that an an economy Hyundai based on a Elantra would have a dual clutch. My first time driving a dual clutch Veloster not long after they came out, I was convinced that it was a full automatic. I did not think it was a dual clutch. That would be high praise, actually. I just thought it was a lazy... Like Sonata automatic, it's just terrible. No, when I when I had the Veloster, yes, I subscribed fully to the slow car, fast philosophy because that car was it, slow. It, it well, it was slow, but it was chuckable. You could huck it into a corner at seventy miles an hour, and you could come out alive the other on the other side. And right. It had there was a great adrenaline rush with it. Yeah, because it's a momentum car. Exactly. Because it's a slow car, fast. Exactly. But with the Mazda, things are thro- things are different. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much body roll from the torsion bars in the front. I mean, it's just you just have to take things. It's it's the mini truck philosophy, the low and slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I coming out here, even coming down the 70 mile an hour stretch in '94. Yeah. I never cracked 65 on the way here, just because one, the motor doesn't like it. And two, it's just, you get it up to 70, 75. But isn't it at that point slow car fast? Because you're driving a slow car faster and it's intended to be driven. If you're at the peak of your engine's power, it's like Miguel with his 2.2 liter uh, S15 Gypsy. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... 85 miles an hour. Yeah, that's definitely... um, Slow car fast, relatively. Okay. Fast. Yes, I will. I will concede. Slow car fast. Perfect. That is right. the correct. That answer. is the correct answer. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. I uh, my electric Fiat. It has cruise control, but the kind of cruise control I use typically it doesn't involve any buttons. It just involves mashing the pedal down until you just it gets get lazy. The speed you, just, you just let the weight of your foot push yeah. it on the ground. It's a brick yeah. cruise control. Like yep. I just like doing 89 a lot of the time. It's, Everywhere. Yeah. All it, the time. It's like driving a governed semi. Yeah. Lean it on the floor yep. and then. You know, you get tired or whatever, you move your foot at all, the speed change wakes you up. And <laughs> you go, oh, hey, I need to be driving. I mean, I've never done that, but... I have. Oh, okay, well, you, cool. you, are, you are Tucker the Trucker, so... <laughs> of course. Formerly I mean. known as Tucker the Trucker. Formerly known yes, as, yes. Form, former Trucker. Um, all right, so I guess our next question yes. for... I've done the last few, but this yes. one is your turn. All right, Tucker, Mondial Dilemma. I'm not even going to preface it because you know. I... You, I know, and I believe you know my answer. Is it manual? It is. Is it transverse? Yes. Do you have to cut anything? That I'm not sure because I'm not sure what space limitations I'm dealing with. Well, we'll critique your answer. What what kind of, what what would you be doing then? Um, LS4 with, I believe it's the G60, six-speed manual out of the Pontiac G6 GTP. 
Uh, it's a G284, I think. It's actually in this list here. So that that would actually fit. So you were the second person to say LS. Uh, but not LS4. You need to use a non oh, is that, drive LS. Is that the... Um, you got to use an LS1 well, or two. The L, or the LS, no, the LS4 was the front-wheel drive yeah, LS. Yeah, but the bolt pattern's completely different. It doesn't fit the transaxle. Okay, then I'll drop the transaxle and go to the... Uh, 284. Go to the Muncie 4-speed out, out of the Pontiac Fiero GT. That does work. Yeah, that would work. That would work, yeah. Yeah, I mean, granted, you lose two gears, but who, who cares? cares? No lost motor. No, I mean, I'm, I'm saying you can use the modern transaxle with, like, another LS. You just can't use it with an LS4. Because the LS4 and has a unique bell housing bolt pattern that fits the auto. You're also going to be, you know, having to So, I mean, you can use the Muncie. Mount, that's so fine. Yeah. Well, but, and then the other problem with using the LS4 is you run into that displacement on demand where the lifters like to collapse and eat the cam. And I know it's going to surprise you, but you can totally get rid of that really easily. You can, but you've got to open the motor up. And at that point, if you're putting the motor in the Mondial, who cares? So, that long LS with, you know. Could you put that Muncie? LS manual. Could okay, you use the Muncie four-speed from the Fiero with a, no, a normal small black Chevy? I believe some do, yes. I would. Yeah, I would say you probably. Because I, I know, I know, I have seen a Fiero with a Cadillac 500 in it, but I wasn't sure if they oh, use God. a Muncie four-speed or if uh, they. Just... Well, when you swap between you know old GM and the brands had completely different engine infrastructures, I mean, I'm sure you can do it with an adapter, but. Yeah, because no, he, he had a Cadillac. I, I wasn't I, sure if he did the Muncie four-speed. He also might have done like one of the weird front-wheel drive longitudinal transmissions. Oh yeah. And just like cut up everything behind the seat. I'm guessing a 500 cube Cadillac motor and a Fiero needed some cutting. Yeah. Shocking, I know, right? Just saying. <laughs> so you do an LS. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a boring answer, but we'll accept that's it. That's a boring, it's a stupid answer. I will accept it, but we'll make fun of it. Ha, 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 ha. Well, we're almost done with the standard <laughs> questions, but uh, we've got a couple more. Uh, what are your favorite events or car shows locally during the year? Does it have to be a car event, or can it be motorsports? Uh, motorsports, general? fine. That's, that's, that's car-related, yeah. Uh, motorsports, I am actually a member of... Central Road Racing Association in Minnesota. Yep. We race uh, sport bikes up on the BIR road courses. Short or long or both? Both. Ooh. We run... Be terrifying on the long course. <laughs> we, run, we run long in May and September. Okay. Because bracket drags aren't up there. Right. And then every month... Um, all the months in between while the bra- We run the same weekends as the brackets. So we're on the shock. We're on the... I wanted to say short and comp at the same time. <laughs> we're on the comp course. Okay. Okay. So that's um, your favorite. Yeah, comp course track, is better. Track days at sure. BIR. Yeah, basically. That's, that's my, totally my CRA fair. family, they are second to none. They're excellent people. I excellent. love them. I, you're the first one to actually mention like a track event as their favorite, so that's refreshing. Yeah, no, it, it, that's a good answer. And we got Perfect one more, but it kind of fits into the next thing we're going to talk about. So I'll let Ryan take over, and we'll talk about the, uh, the two current huge events that are happening in the Twin Cities this weekend. Yes. All right. Well, this one's actually kind of specially tailored to you. It's not really a, a normal thing, but I kind of want to... Whatever. Yeah. I think we should contrast um, the crowd you see at Back to the 50s and the crowd you see at Pride, because both those pertain to you, as you were going to be our second Pride guest, but then... It's still applicable. It's yeah, close it, enough. It, it, it will it's, be. it's happening like... right now as we speak. Yeah. So. yeah I'd weird. say it's it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, I see the rainbow dog tag, so I mean, you're clearly ready for say, this. I will say, you've seen Harley Davidson at both of them. Oh, man. Yes, yes. Uh, Harley Davidson. That's true. We could treat this like a Venn diagram. What are the similarities? The similarities and the differences. There's a, a, a large number of Harley Davidsons and 
almost inappropriate leather gear at both of them. And yes, it's, it's, it's both. <laughs> the leather gear I feel like slightly different in how it's. It, it is, but, but there's all there's still way too much of it. At yeah, both of them have a lot of mustaches. Oh man. Oh dear. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're actually doing this. And then, uh, oh, yeah. I, I will say something you see at Back to the Fifties, but not at Pride. Is are those. Um, American Trump flags. Hats? No, yes, that oh. too. The American flags are all black and white with the one blue line. Oh, those. Yeah, you see those at Back to the Fifties. Not I feel like those Pride. are really disrespectful. And yeah, kind of are. Yeah. Um, then not. It's usually the people that run it. Anything that it's technically like defacing a federal monument. Well, so. no, it's that's more saying like we support our. No, I understand. Like, it's a, it, it has a good it, message behind it, but I it, think doing it's that one to of those American things flag where you, is usually usually the people that run them are yeah. the same people also run Confederate flags. So, you know, Tennessee douche, battle flags. Yeah, you know, douchebags. Um, not everybody has one. It's just there's a large overlap. No, but we're good at sweeping yeah. generalizations. Yes, we so are. May as well stick uh, with and it. then there is one thing that you see at Pride that you do not see at Back to the Fifties, and that are condoms. No, ass mad religious people from Westboro Baptist Church. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, I feel like those are fewer up here. I mean, Minnesota is a little bit more of a progressive state. Thank goodness. Or at least we pretend to be. I, you know, I always uh, I always change my um Facebook picture around this time of year to the picture of me in front of the guy saying Jesus died for your sins and like always like the most poorly designed like religious fervor like picketing sign I've ever seen. He's always there at Pride. He's always not talking to anybody. I took a picture of him uh, with him, and he was doing absolutely nothing, and I'm like sitting there going, like, yeah, heavy metal. And Is it like one of those... Uh queen's guards in the uk or whatever kind of yeah the, he's kind of like that their but, job is to do nothing yeah he's he's like the queen's guard of douchebaggery and mm. uh now i took a picture of some with some of my trans friends and it was pretty funny <laughs> the know, guy was not about it <laughs> I, I wonder if <laughs> he's 100 not about <laughs> I it. i like that reaction I'm, he I'm, was really not about it so <laughs> i went ahead and did it you know, i wonder if i if i tuck the dog if i tuck the dog tags into my shirt yeah. and just walked up especially in this particular shirt uh-huh. i wonder if he would if I would be able to strike up conversation, with you them. probably could, because you don't look. And then you pull you the dog You do not out. look like a member of the LGBT community. No, in not the at all. Slightest, except you, for that one screenshot from the Grinder profile yes, picture. Yes, his, his Grinder profile picture. Lemon drop. Lemon drop twenty two. So Although now lemon, lemon drop twenty three. Twenty three. Twenty three. Lemon drop. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, lemon drop twenty three. Yeah. So. Uh, what what do you you haven't been to back the fifties? I mean, like, what are some other things that you only see at Pride? You know, funny a lot, enough, a lot of near nudity. Funny enough, I've never yeah. actually been to Pride either. God, you, you have, a, you have a busy weekend in front of you. I do. Are you going to Pride? Yes, yeah, of okay. course. Yeah, is. when we're done here, it's I free. figured you were. If Matt but... shows up, I'll uh, be, I'll play peanut gallery for that. But, um, <laughs> well, but yeah, once we'll we're see. done here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna head to Pride, and then I've Fair got enough. another city to, or another, another party in the city to go to tonight. There you go. Um, Sounds like a decent old time. Then you're having your bonfire too, according yeah. to Scott. Oh, so I guess we're doing having that. a fire over at the house tonight. Yeah, eight forty-five. Okay. Because after this, I'm going to replace the entire rear subframe on Corey's car. Oh, Everyone is invited. Joke is, it's happening. This is posting day after it happens. Yes. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah every, see everybody's invited know. to the bonfire that happened yesterday. It is an open event. Piss Jokes <laughs> can't come, but anyone else is welcome, certainly. But, but no, I've never actually been to Pride, you know, the festival itself. Um, you know, there's always, there's the stereotypes you could see, you know, you see on the internet that you could comment on, but oh. it's it's hard to say because... You're, you're going to have... A, 
a very fun time. I love going to Pride every year. It, it's um, I got to interrupt for a second. This yes. is completely off topic. Neither of your microphones are pointing at your faces. I just realized. The uh, oh. that should be like totally in line with the stand. No, you're good. Hold on. One second. Yeah. So that one's good now. Oh God, this is horrible. Right. I'm so sorry, I was, listeners. I, I, it sounded fine, but you, I just you, that you was might, bugging me. It so. might be worth doing like five seconds of editing just to get that last that. like no. twenty seconds screw, out. Screw our oh, listeners. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. All right, please we, continue. We love sorry you. for interrupting. We, we love you, but it's uh, it was just no. bothering me. I noticed that, and I'm just like, I can't not say anything. No, Pride. You're gonna, you're gonna love Pride. It's it's really cool because it's um. Like like oh, a lot of the stereotypes you hear about that like don't actually happen in the real real world, you will see. It will be great. Oh, yeah. You will see very large, <laughs> burly men with thick body hair and mustaches G-H-I-C-C? walking around with a lot of leather on. Hmm. It'll be all your thing. Yeah. It'll, yeah, well, you'll be about you, it. You say that, but that's actually not my bag. Oh yeah, no, you're you're into tiny little Asian guys. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> so on, on, on that note, any on, sponsors that may have been thinking about <laughs> the show, or they have run for the hills. So actually, um, I'm, no, I'm gonna try to make it to Pride me. this year. But I'm, if I, if I do go, it'll be tomorrow for the the parade. But if yeah. I go tomorrow, it'll be really fun because I have my dad with me because he just blew up his car, and uh, I'll and be like chauffeuring around everywhere tomorrow. Chauffeuring. Um, Chauffeuring. See, I, I unfortunately, as much as I'd love to, I can't actually make it to the parade tomorrow. Because, oh, no. No, well. The parade's half the fun. Because O'Reilly Auto Parts owns my soul. Oh. So mm, I have I to work tomorrow. They'll okay, own 103 sure. of my dollars when I buy that five-gallon jug of ATF to fill my lifts. <laughs> oh, listeners, I have two new lifts here in the Motorplex garage. A new four-post storage lift, which is assembled but has no fluid in it. And a two-post that is not assembled and has no fluid in it. Very there you exciting. Go. Yay. So that's my... Okay. Um, but no, I, like, I, like you mentioned before, <laughs> well, Bert, Bert, you know this, but yeah, yeah. My, my dad blew up his G35. I do, yeah. Yep. VQ35 with chain issues. It's really weird. I've yeah, weird. It's like that. timing chains suck. Um, they're like... They, topical. They, actually, yeah. it is topical. It is topical. My next thing is actually kind of relating to oh. that. Oh, it is. <laughs> I, I, that was actually, that was a genuine accident. That, that he was, was not attempting to yeah, segue. I was not attempting to segue at all. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, yeah, well my, done, sir. My dad's uh, G35 blew up its timing chain, uh, dropped a valve on the passenger side. Um, so just pull a plug in an injector and fucking let her rip, tater chip. I don't know about that. I think I'm just going to give him a uh, 325 IX. Oh, okay, cool. So that would be. I'm sorry. No, hmm. it's burgers. Uh, it was going to be Hunicorn version four five point oh. Uh, but he didn't turbo it yet, so mm. I just bought it for. Well, a, yet. But but you're torturing well, him with all wheel drive. Be buying it, yes. Okay. Uh, either tomorrow or Monday, I'll give you a call about me. And my dad can Dave buy has the title. We can talk about this later. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll talk about it off the podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> That's a nice car. I just I hate it. It's all right because it, it's all wheel drive, right? No, it's because I put an engine in it, and when I bought it, the guy signed the wrong part of the title, and then he moved to New Hampshire. But we have we have the title sorted yeah. out, so we don't need yeah. to worry about that. No, it just that's it's just why I that hate it. that made the car. I had made, to immediately put... <laughs> park a car I fixed for months. That was why, I, and it's an IX. I hate IXs. Yes, I know you do. The and car well, is a deliberately is, mercy kill. Well, that's the thing is for my father, like that's a great car for him because he has to drive basically across town every day to mm-hmm. from Richfield to Egan. Oh, gross. Yeah, it's a terrible drive. Yeah. And then in winter, it really sucks if you don't have 
all-wheel drive. No, it sucks if you don't have snow tires. Yeah, well, he doesn't. It, but it, Or, you know, just sucks if you don't know how to drive because I got around in yeah. my, you know, light little well, mini it's, truck it's, on it's all it's a, it's a kind of a shit mm-hmm. drive. Yeah, I, was th- I was thinking more because you're stopping and going all the time, and then if you have to stop on that section of 494 that goes uphill, yeah. if you're... You don't have the best tires. You will be taking the rest of that road at a forty-five degree angle. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so, fun. Yeah, exactly. That's that's. I mean, IXs are fine when they have turbos on them. So they're really. Boring I think. I think. It. I just think he's be about it. I think he's really gonna like it because I mean, when you're comparing, that's even fine. A, and even when it an crashes, IX, it'll just buy it back for parts value. It'll be fine. <laughs> I I just I think for even an IX would drive better than a G thirty-five. Yeah, probably. I think he's gonna get. Like a net gain in yeah, I think the driving main thing quality. that bothers me about IXs is they're wrapped in E30 sheet metal. Yeah, they're actually is... okay cars, but like it's it's a travesty that they're wrapped in sheet metal that looks like an E30. I think if the they sheet, do not drive if like that E30. sheet metal looked like a Cressida or an E36, a Legend or an E36, mm-hmm. or... oh yeah, it'd be a fabulous car. Yeah. Then. Exactly. Great. I, but yeah, no, it's just, it has to, con- it has way, to that, contend with. That engine has ARP 2000s and a good head gasket. Yeah, in I know. Head, so if you want to throw a turbo on it, you totally can. We totally can. Yeah, if my dad's about that. That thing. I yeah. just think. I, I just that think bottom end has been through hell. The, the 325iX is a good value for money car. I mean. That one is. Well, I'm not, I mean, just like overall. No, cause because most of them are like six plus grand and that's a Oh, because deal. it looks like an E30? No, well, they kind of have E30 tax, but they're also really rare. Really? Yeah, manuals especially. Oh, I guess yeah, the ones I have seen have been automatic. And Again, what I'm but... selling you the car for is with the trans and transportation. Yes, that is so. a great deal. That's why my father's going through, right. going for it. Anyway, I want to talk about timing chains yes. since we're talking about the G35. So I remember like 10 years ago, I was at First Gear Garage, that DIY place down in Eden Prairie that used to be here where you could buy lift time. Yeah, yeah. It was super cool. I miss it. But anyway, um, we had an LS400 come in and it had a popped timing belt and the guy didn't know that. So the car ended up sitting outside for like three months. And I remember talking to the owner, Eric D., who's a good friend of mine. And we had a long discussion about why timing belts exist. Because they were so much worse than timing chains. Like, why would you deliberately engineer a car to have this belt that's kind of not easy to get at? Yeah. That controls the, the, you know, the life or death of the engine. And then, you know, have to replace it every on those. It's it's a pretty long service interval, but let's say sixty to a hundred thousand miles. Yeah. Or at the time, pretty much everything made with a timing chain was lifetime. I mean, four, five hundred, six hundred thousand miles on a chain was pretty reasonable. No, and it's... I I was in a hundred percent agreement with him. I'm like, just like it's really dumb. The only argument I could come up with was, and it's not the case now, because we have like water pumps driven off of timing belts now, and back then we didn't. Yeah. It was. Well, you could change it at this interval and have complete peace of mind. Yeah. Not really have to worry about what's going on in there. Whereas with a chain, you really can't do that. You just have to trust that it'll be okay. And it always was back in the day. But recently, with thinner oils, we got like 0W20, 0W16, 0W8 is now a thing. Yeah. And then you all, and then uh, you make thinner guides, thinner chains to try to keep the rotating mass poor, down. Poor you run quality temperatures, poor quality plastics. Yeah. And that's all bathed in this oil, just baking. So timing belts are still outboard of the engine, and they don't suffer from any of that shit. They that's true. They don't care about thin oil. They don't care about heat. And, like, modern timing belts last 150,000 miles, like, pretty consistently on a lot of cars. 100,000 yeah, no, pretty easily. Yeah. I, I would say that the timing belts do care about the radiant heat to an extent. Mm-hmm. Just but because, not I to mean, the same level. No, right, not but, to yeah. the same level. Modern but the belts are Kevlar reinforced now. So, I mean, the, the rubber content in a modern timing belt is, like, nothing. 
Yeah, I guess I, that is very. I'm true. used to older, you know, right. Equipment. And belts, but no, I'm, yeah, thirty like, years ago, time and belts were like, yeah, you legit like change that at thirty, forty thousand miles. Right on a, a nine forty four. Yeah, oh God, you yeah. do the timing belt. Otherwise, you have a very expensive problem. Yep. It, Whereas if you had a nine two four, it's non interference and not a problem. Yeah, that's true. But so, I mean, like, but then at the same time, you also had like the Mercedes M one seventeen V eights, where that timing Brubsky. chain will last basically forever, and people just change them for peace of mind. Well, yeah, I mean, I could see that on the 116, because the early 380 116 was uh, a single row chain. Yeah, that's true. The single row chains. Uh, so, yeah, 20R versus 22R for Toyotas. Yep. You know, the 20R had a dual chain. The 22R has a single, even though they're both great. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, nowadays, are, would you rather have, like, a Honda Fit? I think if Honda Fit has a timing belt. Or would you rather is that the have... the L15? Yeah, L15. That's a chain, actually. The L15A. I don't know. I think those oh, are chain. Here's a better example. Would you have the STI or a 2.0T? Oh, STI. Yeah, because the STI has got a belt, and that belt lasts about 100 to 120,000 miles on it. Right. That's way and longer that's, than the engine will last. But Yeah, but um, the the belt life is yeah. about 120,000 yeah. miles. No, it is. Whereas a 2.0T is a chain. That chain life also is about 120,000 miles. I would say but, less. Well, it is usually less. And if you do your timing chains at 10,000, or, or if you do your um, oil changes at 10,000 miles, like Volkswagen says you should, yeah. it puts you at like 50,000 miles for a timing chain. I think it would be but, a great experience if we could, I mean, this probably would never happen, but get a manufacturer, probably a German one, mm-hmm. to basically loan you two vehicles for yeah. a very long period of time, like say 60,000 miles. Yeah. You do one factory maintenance booklet by the book, and you do one how you maintained cars back in the day. Yeah. So you run like a thicker oil, a little bit thicker, because I mean, modern engines are they're designed a to ten, flow a certain a amount of oil. A 1030 or a Right. So if you have a, a 020 yeah. designed engine for a 15K interval, run a 030 in it and do a 6500 or 7K interval yeah. and like change driveline fluids change brake fluids that'd be actually really interesting i think it would be great i mean the only the hardest part of that i think honestly would be finding two pretty consistent drivers that put a lot of miles on their car very evenly you what you do what you find somebody that's not a car person like yeah that's true. somebody's but mom I mean, you're gonna have to something. find people that are putting roughly the same amount of mileage on yep. the car yeah, no, it's very true. I mean, it doesn't matter what they're doing to the car. It's all about changing the fluids and stuff like this. But I, I seriously, seriously think that if you did old school maintenance to a modern car, it would last as long as an old car. Yes. It, it's probably a little early to say this, but I don't think, you know, more than modern engines that are running like the 0W20, the 0W15, you're not going to see them with, you know, 250,000 miles no, and still ticking not. along happily like my truck is. Well, at least not shocked. with original driveline components. No. No. Because they're going to have several engines in as, it. As far as I'm aware, that is the original engine out of my truck. Mm-hmm. And I found the factory spec. It's actually on the underside of the hood. Nice. It calls for 10W30 down to negative 13 Fahrenheit. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's like an old Volkswagen uh, or Subaru Boxer where 2050 was the minimum like acceptable summer oil. Like, if you could find it, you're supposed to put 60 weight in it. Like well, right, those are air cooled, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Subaru was water cooled. Oh, they still recommended the nice yeah, thick oil. My my GL10. It's it, if you want it to last a little bit longer, basically just put gear oil into the engine. It works fine. I'm sure, like, that's good for the performance. It doesn't have like like right now. <laughs> no I'm running um, 10W40 high mileage conventional oil. Sure. And then I also buy a can of that uh, the Restore. 
like restore your engine, yeah. whatever. The detergent stuff. Really? It's yeah, just it's a detergent with a bunch of zinc in it. Yeah. Yeah, and I've run, I've got that, uh, the high mileage oil, and then a can of that restore running through a Wix filter, mm-hmm. and it's, I it even cleared up my valve train knock. I mean, nice. there's no, there's yeah, the only varnishing on something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, because there are, even being single overhead cam, there are still hydraulic adjusters in the valve train. That's amazing, Yeah, actually. It, it but cl- you've got hydraulic adjusters up, in that engine. It cleared up my valve train knock that it would, when I'd let it sit overnight when I was running 5W30 in it, I'd let it sit overnight, start it up, and there'd be a horrific knock. Just, oh, yeah. I just sold my boxer this morning, and that thing, cold start rattles like a motherfucker. But, and- you, yeah. But you rev it up to, you know, 2,500, 3,000, it'd build oil pressure, yep. that'd go away. Mm-hmm. Running that thick oil with that yeah. engine restorer in it. I think that's a sign that the engine needs a thicker oil. If it, yeah. like, if you're getting consistent valve train noise when it's running, especially if it's hot, well, like, that just means the oil's draining down too quick. Well, the, the, the dealers say, yeah, this is okay. It's like Volkswagen saying, yeah, the 10K oil change is okay. Yeah, you know why? Because they're guaranteeing the cars don't last for whatever the warranty, warranty is. period. And once that warranty's up, it's no it old parts. And that's right. why Volkswagen's and the die. Thing is, the reason why this is now such a thing is because the oil change consumables yeah. factor into the carbon credit for the car. That is true. Yeah. That is really? very true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you stretch a 10K oil to a 15K oil, your car can be less efficient elsewhere. Or so it they, can be more efficient overall and get you more CO2 To be credit. able to produce the car that has the better performing engine... Yep. They skimp out on oil changes because the car will last throughout the length of the warranty period. I mean, I, modern I oil is amazing, it. but it's still it can't deal with that kind of abuse. Well, it's like Mobile One. They said they've got a million mile oil. It'll last a million miles in the car. Or, I have zero like faith that, in that. Or like that one year oil change they yeah. get Secret? out of them. I don't. Um, uh, I don't. I don't have any faith in that at all. Yeah. Um, at all. You know but, what's really going to suck? Hmm. When the food comes up here, we can't eat it while we're podcasting. Oh, I oh, know, right? That's going to be horrible. Oh, man. Um, but anyway, no, back to the back to the whole <laughs> timing chain thing. Digression, so yeah. with, with a Volkswagen versus a Subaru, topic. Yeah. I mean, that Subaru timing belt mm-hmm. is going to be maybe $1,000. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. On a turbo car, maybe. It's a lot maybe of stuff, at most. But. That's if you go to like a really expensive like dollar per com- hour yeah. shop. Yeah. Like if you, if you have a special tree and you've yeah. got an NA car, it's probably 600 bucks. Yeah. Whereas that Volkswagen timing chain, I will tell you right now, all day long, $2,400. Cause that is the more water, than the cars are worth. Because usually you get you get plastic shavings from the broken timing chain components yep. that have gotten into... Those high-quality plastics yep, that, and all that heat. have gotten to the water pump jack shaft and all these other issues. And mm-hmm. now you just basically have a $2,400 problem on your hands. Yeah. And then you have to do this again in another 120,000 miles. Yep. So that's just ridiculous. Whereas even, say, like a Mercedes M117, mm-hmm. the timing chain goes out on that. Very easy to do. They have little ports for you to get at all of the timing chain guides, yep. of which there are like three or four of them. There's yep. not that many. Uh, and then when you put it in the chain, they give you one long length of a chain. A master link. A master. You put the master link in. You literally you hook it on. You rotate it through. rotate the engine over. And you you're pop done. it back in. You're done. I will say the Porsche is like that. If you yeah, buy a chain nice. port, it's a master link chain. You can do it in the car with the valve mm. covers off. Yeah. And that's... This is kind of the same thing with the the old Mercedes V8s. Yep. And I have a 117. It's fabulous. And yeah. the chain in that thing is beefy. Yeah, it's a great chain. It's a big or, Here's boy. another example. Have you ever seen the chain go out on like a small box Chevy? I've never heard of that. No. I, yeah. I'd see and no, that's the thing. It's like my only real timing. Well, what I mean, single what, row? What did they Not do common. to it? Uh, lack of oil changes. 
This never changed oil ever. <laughs> I don't really know, but yeah, I've seen one that failed. I'm like, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. I'm like, the timing chain failure in a small block. I'm like, no. Um, but that, that's just a, a perfect example, though. Like, as shocked as we are, that's just a perfect example of why timing chains used to be better. Now yeah. they're just not. Yeah. And see, my only real timing chain experience is with, you know, small block Chevy and small block Fords where you just have that short little double roller chain um, or uh, the Ford modular motors, the 4.6, the 5.4, yeah. you know, the ones, those ones, you know, you get about 200,000 miles out of them and then the cam phasers start to give you troubles. Um, the tensioners start to wear out yeah. or the guides, you know, start to wear out. But you can catch that noise ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, you might get a little plastic in there, but it's just going into the oil. You're not dealing with the water pump or anything because that's all external. Right. You know, so as long as you're running a good. Oh, God. Um, have you guys heard about the, the Ford 3.7, the V6? No. Uh, has it been a problem? <laughs> okay. So this has a timing chain, and it has a, a water pump that is driven by the timing chain behind all the timing components and in order to get at it it requires i think thirty five hundred dollars worth of teardown to get to oh my and god the best part is they don't fail like the bearing the gasket fails so it starts seeping water into the engine oil and you don't know what's happening <sighs> until it dilutes the oil and cooks a bearing and now, now you have a major issue right so you like have to check the cleanliness of the oil on those all the time that is any, any sign of milkshake and you're done. Yeah, that engine's worse than the 2.0T. Yeah. Um, That's shocking. Yeah. But yeah, and no, it's in a lot of cop cars. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the beautiful thing about like the 4.6 and the 5.4, even the 6.8, you know, V10, those things, if you do have any sort of tensioner wear or, you know, guide wear. Sorry if you're hearing our lunch. We were just delivering. I was thinking our about lunch. like turning one of us down at a time so we could take bites of the food. I'm just gonna eat like way over here. <laughs> um, but we no, are the, all starving, by the, the way. The beautiful thing about the the old modular motors now, I can't speak for the Coyote because I don't have experience with that. Coyote's great, even though it is a modular motor. Is it? Uh, it is. It is mm -hmm. still technically part yeah. of the modular series. I did same not with know the that. same with the six two Boss they put in. the What about the Voodoo? Is that different? Um, I think it's still a modular. What is the Voodoo? GT350. Okay, thank the you. The 5.2. That's a great name plane. for an engine. Mm -hmm. yeah, Americans, great. If Americans didn't do anything right, it's naming engines. Like the... <laughs> like, the new Ford 5.8, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like, the, like the Ford, uh, the, the 6, 7 Power Stroke that they built in-house after they told Navistar... The Scorpion? To, an, another yes, the great Scorpion. name for an engine. Yeah, after they told Navistar to shove it from the 6.4 well, and the 6.0. Well, that 6 was Ford's fault. They took an engine from Navistar that was reliable, and it made like 50% less horsepower and torque in the Navistar application, and then they put EGR and shit on it, and well, a giant cooler, so they superheated it and put more boost into it and changed nothing else. Well, yeah, it, that's the problem. You know, They took a medium-duty engine, a light medium-duty engine, and put it into a light-duty application so it had to meet you know, light-duty EPA regs. I am incredibly jealous of those french fries right now. Well, when I'm talking, you can eat your French fries. There we go. But, um, but no, they, that was the problem with, you know, they took a medium-duty engine, they put it in a light-duty application, had to meet light-duty EPA regs, and, uh, you know, it They just... could have made it work. I mean, people have been able to make those emissions compliant and reliable. Oh, uh, see, I've never heard of them about, I've never heard about them doing emissions compliant and reliable. I've just heard about reliable. Well, I mean, it's better to take the DPF and EGR. Yeah, and exactly. You rip all of that garbage off. And head studs. Yes. Rip all that garbage off, 
had studs. What did the Navistar engine come in? It was in, like, box trucks and shit. Yeah, like the, uh, like the 4,700, you know, 26,000-pound gross weight, you know, hydraulic brake, you know, light flatbeds, light box trucks. Like the rider like they, rental they, box trucks. Yeah. E45 or E450s and F550s nope. and stuff like that. Well, technically, but those aren't those aren't international trucks. Those are still they Ford look like trucks. A... Oh, oh, we're talking about international. Yeah, Navistar okay. is... I thought, I thought talking about, I thought talking yeah. about Ford. Navistar yeah, is the engine not... division of, Nas- of international. American stuff post-1987. Yeah, no, it's not Na- really my thing. Navistar is the engine division of international international. oh okay that makes sense so they'd like the old the old 90s international trucks got like the t444 which was the 7.3 is that the same Mm. as the old school buses or no yep okay um you could get a t444 you know 7.3 navistar diesel in a school bus i remember seeing 3800 badges on the side of international school bus engines what does that mean um it's the model it's a 3800 series v6 it's the <laughs> at the time I thought they might have been, and then I'm like, nah. It's it's the model designation. So like now you get like the international Durastar 4300 or the 4400. It's it's an indication of the model and then the gross weight. Oh okay. Oh okay. The 4400 does not like much like a modern like Ram 1500. It does not correlate to the gross weight at all. Okay. It's just a okay. Yep. 4400 can carry more, haul more, tow more than a 4300. The 4400 might come with air brakes. So what you're saying is the larger number is better. Basically, yes. Okay, cool. What you really want to get is a Workstar 7400. Another great name. What is that? Basically, it's a dump truck chassis. Okay, that sounds pretty good. A tandem axle, <laughs> air brakes. You can get it with like the 14. But can limit. I follow it at 20 feet or less? Uh, not recommended. Damn it. Not so. recommended. I mean, I'm not saying you should. Stay back I... 150 feet. Whatever, Snowplow, you're doing 20. I'm passing your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I was just saying, so are, that's a great name for an engine. And America's made great names for engines. I think that should be a topic. I think we should just do it now, because we're just kind of doing the American Car episode. Well, I mean, that's fine. We just haven't done any research on it, so we're probably missing some good ones. I'm sure like, we are, but we can like, always come back to it. There's, like, the Oldsmobile Rocket 350. Oh, there's yeah. the Rocket 350. The turbo jet. Um, the, 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 fi- the Fireball straight mm-hmm. six. Yep. The Blue Flame. Yeah, oh, the yeah, the Blue, blue Flame. That's how I see it. Yep. The Blue Flame. That's Horrible the engine. Turbo engine. That's a cool name. Um, Agreed. And then there was now... The Super 8. The Buick Straight. Oh, 8. that thing had such cool scripting if on you, it. If yeah. You, <laughs> if you go back to the 30s, there's you know the Chevy uh, Thriftmaster. Pre-war mm. bell. Yes, there's a pre-war bell. The the there's the Thriftmaster V6. Yep. Or I, thought, inline I, six. Thought, I thought that was just a trim level of a vehicle. Nope, it's the inline. Oh, guys, I gotta go back to the TV. There's a really great engine series. In fact, two of them with really great names for the W body. Oh yes, and the, that are. The high feature, sorry, that is the high value V6 and the high feature V6 line. I don't forget the short star. You're also forgetting in here. You're forgetting the Iron Duke and the Quad Four. Yeah, Quad Four is kind of a mediocre name. It's a great engine, and the Iron Duke's a great name and a terrible engine. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I I think the more mediocre the general or the name of General Motors engines, the better they are. I feel like. 
they have names for their modern engines though, do they? I'm sure they have code Econotech. Well, uh, well, the high yeah. feature Exactly. The high yeah. feature is the uh three six that they're putting in the current generation Impala, yep. the Equinox. Well actually no, the Equinox doesn't get a V six anymore. No, not anymore. It's a one five T and a two O T. Yeah, that's terrible because that's a lot of car for not a lot of engine. That sounds like a really, really my aunt has a one five T and I'm engine. like wow, there's a three cylinder in this crossover. Yeah. Is there one five a three cylinder? Yeah, it's a massive three cylinder. It it is, yeah. <laughs> See, my mom has a twenty four. Cool. My mom has a twenty fourteen Equinox, three six all wheel drive. You know, LT with like leather interior and whatnot. Yeah. And as much as we hate on crossovers, as it's a some, car. It as sucks. something to By default, it sucks. As something to no, drive around. Not true. I don't wrong. mind it. You're wrong. No. You're fired. We've got but a, you forget that no, I am tougher turn off size. This mic. My my work runner <laughs> at the office is a three liter terrain, and I, I grant the three six is a much better engine than the three zero, but it's a horrible vehicle. Good sound system, terrible vehicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I think what it is for me is that it's Tucker friendly. It's Tucker. It's, there's it, so many better cars. There's so like America is chock full of Tucker friendly cars. Like everything made in the malaise works perfectly for you. If you want something newer, the, the Panther oh, chassis. Oh, I got more engine names that are awesome. Oh, Merlin. Oh, yeah. Meteor. Well, no, the Merlin was uh, Rolls-Royce. Though. Yeah, those yeah, are they're not Rolls- American, but I'm just saying like awesome engine names. Yes, oh. well, those are heavily influenced by America and their V6. Okay, well, fine, but there, there were Pratt & Whitney made, I think, the Meteor as well in America. Yeah, and they, that was a version of Merlin, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah the they licensed, one. Yeah, they licensed Rolls-Royce designs during the war. Right. So well, they needed more of them. Yeah, basically, it's like here's our design. It works <clears> great. Make this. I was actually I forgot a second. It might have been Jana uh, last night where we were talking about all the really cool pre-war, uh, all the really cool pre-war brands that like were out there. All the hyper luxurious ones like Duesenberg and Auburn and Cord, Cord and. Um, I picked a really good time to mute my microphone. You did because I don't want to talk about any well, of this. Well, it will. Uh, so. It, Rolls Royce is one of those, Hispania Sueza and uh, stuff like that. And she's like, well, how did Rolls Royce weather all of that? And I'm like, well, they just made airplane engines. They were very good at making massive engines. And that's the same way for General Motors and Cadillac is the Cadillac engine. Those things were sweet, man. They're all aluminum, four-valve, twin cam. Yeah, no, it's really cool, yeah. and But, I mean, the thing is, is like uh, Cadillac, that's how they survived. They're the same thing. They were put... They put two of their V8s into Sherman tanks, and that's how they weathered the end of the recession and into World War II and actually became profitable. Yeah, and Ford, you know, was handed the design for the GP, you know, the Jeep by Willys and was like, Willys made this great vehicle, but they can't make enough of them. Here, Ford, make this. Um, GM, they're like, hey, we built this two and a half ton six-wheel drive cargo truck. We can't and, make enough, yeah. Well, no, they made enough of them. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, the the CKW, I believe it was what it was called, was yeah. GM made more than enough of those on their own. Um, yeah, those think, are so cheap, and I still kind of want one. They're still for in no production. Reason. That's the well, thing. see, no, the CKW isn't cheap anymore. Is what, that the deuce and a half or no? It was the precursor to the deuce and a half. It was still a two and a half ton cargo truck, six wheel drive. But now the the cheap ones, like what Nathan Mueller has, those are AM General. I mean, it's still technically a GM, but it's it's AM General or BMY. You know, I forget the actual how that acronym breaks. I was gonna down. say, what is BMY and how did they come to be? I it's they build strictly military vehicles. They built the five ton. They built you know, 
the five ton tractor, the wreckers, the everything. Oh, okay. Um, and then I the think... Oshkosh building the eight point eight or the eight 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 by eight. Oh, it's from Wisconsin, weren't they? I'm not sure. I think they are. I, I, There's I a lot of like weird like brands for like large trucks that are actually made in like Wisconsin, Minnesota, like International Mowing and stuff like that. Yee yee. Um. <laughs> oh dear. I think we should actually let's uh, segue us into our one of our other topics for today, which is actually cool American cars. Yes. Um, because we've been talking about a lot of really cool stuff. More accurately, American cars that don't suck. That is true. Trucks uh, also. Um. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna cap the list with one of the best. And I may be in the minority here, but one of the best American cars. It had its moments. It had its generations where it lacked, but the Corvette. Yeah, C4 Corvette was. A, that's probably the coolest car you can get for under five grand. Yeah, or if you're willing to spend a little bit more, find the dual overhead cam ZR1. I don't care that much. Oh, we were talking about that a few episodes we've, we've been, ago. Yeah. I couldn't believe how cheap those were. Yeah, no, uh, Corvettes, though. Like 20 grand. My, my rule is I really want a Corvette, but I refuse to get any generation other than the C4. And I, spend, I refuse to spend a penny more than $4,000. And it has to be cocaine white. I don't care. I really don't care. It's not as a Corvette, it's a V8. It does. It's a Doug it does, Nash it, 4 plus 3. I don't care. It, as long as it doesn't burn out and it costs me under four grand, I'm happy. Um, but no, actually, I was going to say, uh, I'm going to go really weird. I'm going to say a uh, Hudson Commodore or a <laughs> Hudson Hornet. Really, really cool. Uh, straight six, um, over, or I guess pocket valve. Really cool. <laughs> but the thing is, is up until the small black Chevy came out, they dominated NASCAR and they beat all the Ford uh, flathead V8s. Because they had just had a shitload of torque. But the Ford Flathead sounds so good. Yeah, but the so does the Hudson. The Hudson sounds amazing. See, no, I I love and once I they also had a really cool name for their engine, the Twin H Power. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna digress just a little bit because I I love Eric's hatred of pre-war things, but yet he loves he he loves the engines. Yeah, (laughs) one of his favorite engines is pre-war, strictly pre-war. Yeah, well, I mean, the flathead, in my defense, the one I want is like a 53 to 56. Uh, see, I wasn't aware they were making the flathead that late. Yeah, oh, yeah. the EAB, I think, started maybe in the late 40s, but it was definitely an early 50s thing. They made, you're talking about the Ford flathead, right? It wasn't, yeah. yeah, but I'm they, talking, like, the EAB is the last one, so it had, like, the better casting cylinder heads, and it was the highest displacement. Yeah, and they, they did make those for a long time, up until oh, yeah. the Y-Block. was it, Actually, well, even when they were making the Y-Block, I think they were still making that. There was an overlap, yeah. Well, yeah. well it's like GM performance. Like, GM themselves are still casting small block, like the original small block Chevy. Yeah. Just because it still works. Really? Yeah, I think it still ends up in some vans. Uh, like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we're talking like a Gen 3. No. No, Gen two. We're talking the actual small block Chevy, yeah. Yeah, a three, say, like a three fifty original Gen one though, because those have like no accessory drive holes at all. Oh yeah, Gen two, but I mean it's still technically a small block Chevy. We're talking like fifty five to fifty six to eighty five. Well, I technically that one, yes. Technically, the small block was carried through to like two thousand. The cross or ninety nine two thousand. The crossover on. The Silverado, where they went right, from... Right, but that was still a Vortec Gen 3. 86 and up was... Gen 3 design. was... I'm talking start of the LS motor. Covers. Well... No, LS is Gen 4. Well, There's some debate, because people don't acknowledge that there was a couple of years of a first-gen small block in the 50s. Yeah, I... I don't know. We need trig for this one. Yeah. 
Trigger. Yeah, I guess they're they're still casting centerbolt valve cover three fifty. Yeah, they definitely are. So that's eighty. That's what we're trying to get. That's eighty six oh two. But I mean, it's still using fifties architecture. It's still a really right? old yeah. ass engine. Yeah, yeah a lot of the, the day, stuff does fit. It's yeah. really old. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could take those center bolt heads off and put, you know, side bolt heads and yep. go for some ungodly reason. And yeah, you wouldn't do that. No. If well, you, if you're, yeah, I can't think of a reason either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me take this modern thing and put these really shitty so 50s heads on it. What, what What's an American car you really like, other than the Corvette? GMC Typhoon. The Typhoon. All right. Yeah, because yeah, we were talking about and, how you really want one. Yeah. And, and the, the Boxster's gone. I could. Oh shit! Didn't I? I no, you said. did. You did not say. You did not tell us that before. But the boxer is gone. We'll talk about it next it, episode. No, we talked about it. But anyway, I think the last episode I talked about if it sold, I would consider buying a typhoon. Hey, time I for a typhoon. Cars. I have too many cars. No, you don't. You only have a dozen. You don't even have a dozen anymore. I have no. eleven now. Yeah, not even a dozen. But um, so poverty. But that's that's the standout. One. I mean, there's a lot of American cars I like. Like I like the the SS six mm. B. That was a great car. I do like the Corvettes. Well, I wouldn't own one. The, the the problem with the SS is it's not truly an American car. It's Australian. It's a Holden. It's got a fucking it's, bow tie, and I'm going to call it, it American. It's, it's all Holden underneath. So if we're I talking guess, about that, then all of the technology that goes into all of the American cars I like are not American. Okay, well, I mean, my, my, Turbo Vega. my rule of thumb. German. Well, I mean, that's still Vega, though. Or was that was Ooh, that based off? Still German as shit. Dude, they were yeah, made was, in that was Germany. An, that was an Opel, yeah. Um... I guess, uh, oh, I guess really anything prior to like 1987 or so. That's kind of my cutoff for American cars. You were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not like a firm cutoff because they still made cool stuff after 87. Yeah. But it's like 87 was kind of the last year. It was the last year where you could get a G body still. You know, you could still get the box Chevys at that point. You could still get oh, like the third gen Camaros. I know that the third gens and boxes, they last a little bit longer, but. Kind of 87 was when they started like really actively killing off a lot of their cool stuff. Um, I hate the well, Gen 3 Corvette for the record. And 87 and, and, me too. 87 and a half was actually when the square body Chevy trucks, that was the first year of the toilet bowl injected. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, see? So, and, see, like 87 is a good cutoff because you didn't have the garbage fuel injection. Yeah, but before that, you had, you know, the Rochester Quadrabogs and everything up top. Mm, and, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a great name. Yeah, I mean, wow. and now don't give me... I, well, there probably aren't enough people who actually like it and know American cars that listen to this. Um, but the, Certainly the, not. The Quadrajet can be made to be a good carburetor uh, if you tune it properly. Sounds yeah. like a thermoquad. Sounds like a lot of effort. Yeah, not really. It's still cheaper than an Edelbrock or a Holly. I would... Um, I, I, I think, yeah, they did make cool cars until 87. A lot of them were progressively being more not American that were cool at that point. Yeah, I would say um, probably... What what do you think the coolest era for American cars was? Oh man, oh god, that's hard to say. Because um, I can tell you, it's not right now. <laughs> no, it's no, not. It's not all front wheel drive crossovers and uh, mid size sedans. Maybe like last year. No, no, no. It's good. just front wheel drive crossovers. They stopped making sedans. They were too oh, tasteful. Yeah. Well, last year we had the SS. Last year we had all the RS and ST lines. Um, we, we had a lot. St- more we good sold stuff the Viper within the last year or two. Yeah, I think that was. Even though that was, even though that was a Lamborghini massaged motor. And yeah, whatever. It's still a Viper. I, it is. I mean, it's still designed by Chrysler. It's still gonna kill you. I, so, I guess. I, I guess you could also say is what is the best year? Because I mean, America, American cars like they have these that. things where they like they, they have like 
troughs and they have like uh, like ebbs See, and troughs. Now it depends on your definition of good. You know, does it handle right, so, well? Does it just make well, a lot no, of power? Well, no, I mean, like, like it... you know, interesting. Like, to me, about, like, 1932 was a really cool era for Amer- for American cars. Also, uh, or a good year, so was 1957, 1964, 1993. Those I, are all see, really good years. I'd go... Yeah, I mean, I, there was cool stuff in all those eras. There's cool stuff now. I wanna, but, I mean, like, I what go was like, the best year? I want to go, like, 69 or that. 70. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Because like '69, you still have the iconic Dodge Charger. You know, the General Lee Dodge Charger. And you have people just throwing more displacement and carburetors at these things to try to make them make more power. Right. Yeah. Which but I and, think but '69, you had the I need int- two 654 barrels, please. Is, and you know, '69, <laughs> you had the introduction of the Mustang Mach One, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's also '69. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, 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 zing. Also, I, I think. Um, well, or I guess so. Um, like maybe era would be a better way to go yeah, with it, I, not just like year. I I will submit that the era that is the worst would be like seventy to eighty three. The Malays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody. Um, I'm gonna just say it right now. Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, just because you fit in all the cars, Tucker, doesn't mean Tucker, it's the best era. Yeah. The, the it really was the worst era. They may have made cool stuff, but they're not good. Cool yeah. and good are not mutually correct. Like yeah, correct. <laughs> they're yeah. not correlated. Yeah. In yeah any there's way. no causation I, there. But see, like through the seventies, you get stuff like the seventy-four Monaco, you know, the Bluesmobile. Yeah, you know, you, does it not, have cop not, suspension? Not a cop great brakes, cop car, motor. though. No, it's a horrible vehicle. It's, it's it that can't hold a candle to like an old Polara from the sixties. That reminds me of the Mighty Car Mods episode or that they did with Roadkill. Oh yeah, Roadkill guys just put the Crusher Camaro supercharged big block in this horrible even, car and did even nothing though it else. made like four pounds of boost out of that blower. Oh yeah, the blower was the, super hooped. But yeah. It still was making like 650 horsepower, and it was and in a bone stock four-door Impala or something. Yeah, with drum brakes all around. And it had no alternator. Yeah, and no, no no exhaust. And they cut part of the frame rail out to try to fit the alternator, yeah. and then it just didn't. So that's an American car in my mind. Okay. Yeah. That's an American it, car. It, well, it, Freiburger summed it up well, actually. Everybody thinks of American cars as overpowered, can't stop, can't handle, you know, Why do too much engine. It? Right. It's, and if you embrace your shortcomings, then that's cool. Yeah, well, that's yeah, true. like that's build, what the '70s was, I guess. Build something, but, but with no power. Well, that's the thing is they had no power, but they had all the torques. I'm not saying you that the cars you, weren't cool. Yeah, you couldn't make at that point in time with the technology that they had and not willing to invest money to R and D. There was no other way to make any interesting thing with your car other than a. Did they have Jugs catalogs? Yes. Then you could make power in the '70s. Well, I mean, as a manufacturer. Yeah, from the showroom floor, like you just couldn't. Un- unless you, you know, count Don Yenko's showroom as. But those those were pre, um, pre-emissions, though. We're like, oh, right, yeah. 70, the, 74 the... up, like, and the emissions is like, what yeah. made the boys as bad as it was. But, yeah. like, if you get stuff, um, so I guess, like, a, a good example of things that could be, like, how, how would I best word this? A good example of things that you would get in the Malays that were cool would be cars that none of them are going to be good. No. Like, no, they're just, I, they're cool because they're, like, America's like, all right, we need to get down to our roots. What are our roots? Well, we got really straight, long roads. You, we have a, a 55 mile hour speed limit now. So yeah, it makes sense to just have a ton of torque and no horsepower. Yeah. Let's just yeah. make this giant road pillow. 
that can <laughs> a giant road pillow. Perfect Have you never name. heard? It's a perfect name for that. Yes. <laughs> we build this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Any... No. Never mind. Um, I'm not we, saying we it. We build this giant road pillow that can haul eight people comfortably within the doors. And they're all and Tucker still, sized. And still pull a seven thousand pound airstream and not care. That that is an American car. That is what an yes. American car is. And now, so this the Moise, that's I, I guess that's what you would say would be your favorite era. <laughs> My then. personal favorite, yes, because oh, I Tucker, you are damaged goods, buddy. No, it's it's fine because I'm I, mine are split because I, I don't have an era that I really love like a ton about American cars. But to me, it's like pre-war, early 50s, and mid-1980s are my favorite eras of American well, cars. It's been gone over well, before. The, of course, the, I would put the 80s at the top of your list. It's actually not because everything else in the world was better than them at that you point guys in time. Know what started a year after this 1987 cutoff? Hmm. The GM10 platform, the W body. <sighs> now that, that's that's what I think of that, when I think that, of a bad American car. That, yeah. that's how we're Me gonna too. segue this. Yes, I'm jerking us over into W body. Oh okay. boy. No, but see now the first generation W body was interesting in the fact that. Look at the rear suspension. It was, it was pretty high tech in '88. Yeah, it was independent rear suspension with that single with that single transverse leaf spring, like the Corvette, like the Corvette still uses. Yep. I mean, the first generation W body. If you get one in, you know, good shape, it's which doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. Um, unfortunately. The only but thing you, that still works on those is the 3800 and the Trans. The only cool W body was the ASC McLaren Grand Prix with the 3.1 turbo. And eight thousand buttons on the dashboard. Nah, man, they had a three four four cam manual, like Grand Prix or something too. Ugh. It, it Pontiac got all what? the cool versions. Yeah, wasn't the Oldsmobile Achieva a W body? Um, I you know I'm no, not that was sure. Smaller. That's based on like the Sunfire <laughs> stuff. No, I think the, the I think the Achieva falls in between because the Sunfire, Sunbird Cavalier that was the. Uh, J body. I'm pretty sure that's a J. The, is it a J body? I think yeah, those are small. The Achieva? Yeah, my the most hilarious story I've ever heard regarding a W body or I guess a J body potentially was when I was working at Map. We had a set of GM Quad Four okay. um, H beam rods that were <laughs> they were returned and it was more expensive for us to send it back to our supplier than it was to just leave it in stock. Okay, so it was in stock for like a decade. Um, <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, depending on how accurate that's we want, accurate, yeah, it's accurate. Uh, the Achieva was the N platform, the okay. same as the Malibu, the Cutlass, uh, Grand Am, Corsica, Beretta. Interesting. Okay, is that the precursor to the J? No, Must. the uh, or is it bigger? The J body was the the compact. Okay. Um, then you stepped up to a, a not like, quite a, a slightly larger to the midsize, which was the end body. So okay. you could, and then you, you go know, to going w, up, then you go to H? So the compact is like the kid size. And then like the Chiva or whatever that which is. Which one the is the platform. fun size candy bar? What? Which one is the fun size candy bar? Oh, I guess that'd be the, so, the I don't the know. The, probably something imported from Suzuki. Okay. <laughs> so going up, just gotta power um, through. The, the Buick didn't, Buick didn't really get a J body. Variant well, here once I, I I do want to finish the story anyway. So we had the we had these H beam rods in stock forever. Okay, somebody finally bought them on clearance. We were convinced that it was fraud. 
because nobody does that. And I'm like, to prove that it's a real person, I'm like, I need you to send me pictures of the vehicle this is going into. The dude had an Oldsmobile Chiva with a manual transmission in it. Nice. A massive turbocharger on a quad four. And <laughs> quad four is a good engine. Like tubbed out front end oh with a, a fiberglass one piece front. And there was a built drag car to run like eights. And That's impressive. Actually, <laughs> It's like I insane. Will, I'm like, why did you build that? Why did you build this? And they're like, well, Oldsmobile had that. I forgot the name of what it is, but Oldsmobile had their supercar that used the quad four. That's yeah. a proof of concept. And he goes, I always really wanted that. And I never could. This doesn't exist. So I built an Achieva with the same <laughs> engine. <'cause> I love <laughs> that engine. <laughs> anyway, Go, carrying on. We're done say, with going, that. going back to the 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 body, you know, the hierarchy basically yeah. of the of yeah. like '90s GM platforms. Oh, uh, Buick God. is the best example. This although is everything I dislike is '90s. Dislike Buick. Dislike I love the '90s GM mid-size sedans. Oh. With a um, corporate V6 and an automatic transmission. But, but what if that V6 is high feature now. or high value? I don't even care. I just want to be, I want to be killed oh, right now. Oh, look at that W body. Mm. That's, that's actually like, pretty nice. I, yeah, that, that, that's that. the one that the ASC McLaren uh, 3.1 yeah. Turbo is based off of. Um, fun fact, those headlights, they are sealed beams. Yes, oh, yeah. they are. The Sylvania Basics retail for $44 a piece at O'Reilly. That's expensive. Yeah, I have because one they, in stock. They, they fit those cars, and they fit... Early, like fourth, early, like fourth generation Camaros, and that's yes. It. Um, Ugh. but no, GM or Buick didn't really get a J body variant, so from there, you go up to the end platform, which was the Skylark, the W body, which was the Regal and the Century, and then you go to the H body, which was like the Park Avenue, the LeSabre, the big, more than full size BM or wow, I almost said BMW, wow dick i know um but like the best example would what be like looking a, at my brain is melting out of my ear oh i thought matt was making like faces or something back no, there the best the best actually example would be a 97 park avenue no so, no my yeah. grandma had one of those they're but, not good none of them are good they're horrible well, the, and they're the, boring the par- i must par- be thinking of the it regal was, is the, the old par- what, what was the the chevy celebrity based off of what what platform oh, was that you know i'm not sure that wasn't a w body but that one i'm okay with oh no i typoed regal really badly Regal. <laughs> yep okay it's the, the regal. regal yeah the regal was the w body dude this thing that car is the most like doesn't care what you do to it maintenance wise and continues to run and drive vehicle. See, I, yeah. I I I grew up with mediocre nineties GM front wheel drives. Like at one point in time, my family's driveway when I was like seven had three cavaliers in it. Fucking kill me. All four cylinder automatic cavaliers. Oh my god. This is horrible. No, 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 that's the Riata. That is the Riata. That yep. one was based off the W body, and that one's that's actually 10, almost yeah. okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do. I should say I, I don't like dislike the W body for no reason. It's I do have a, I, I have owned one. I can say that I've given it a shot and disliked it. The, I owned an '89 Lesabre and I killed it in three days the, and took it off of many many jumps. The yeah, W the W bumps. platform was not a good car. No. But it was not a bad car. It is the ultimate meh car. It's a reliable vehicle. It's like that is literally the, all it has going. The for. the W platform is like, I need a I need an automatic Camry, 
but my yeah, I dad only buy domestic. Yeah, my dad doesn't want me to own a foreign car. Why does this music blog spot? Uh, I think Why? it must be like an appreciation for the 2000 Buick Regal. See, I kind of like, like that front end. It's simple but handsome. It's That's not, not handsome. handsome. That's like looking at fat man tits. <laughs> That's not handsome at all. It's a terrible car. <sighs> but I, I, the, if you want the closest thing to a handsome W body... Look at the Oldsmobile Trofeo or the Buick Riata. Those are the closest now, thing you're ever gonna get. I think to put kind things. I think to put things into perspective, at least for the listeners, they need to understand. They're already gone. What I've come from. They they left, and they're gone. They're not coming back. Like like my first car was a '93 Caprice. That's yeah, a that great like a car. Problem. That's also. Uh, uh, That's while a speaking, body. It's not a W. While, while speaking about the best American cars, that one's up there. Yeah. But anyway, especially if it's a Woody wagon. I had one. Uh, it was a 92 Roadmaster. Yeah, that's a Tucker car. You should never yeah. have gotten rid of it. Yeah, yeah Tucker cars are, a tu- for our listeners, all that are left, a Tucker car is a large American vehicle with a V8 that's rear-wheel drive. I think the metric that is can you could fit... run over a parking lot curb at 30, and it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's super and you reliable. you feel it. And it has uh, ample space for multiple people over 400 pounds. And on that, let's go to World Cup of Cars because yes, we are that. getting this a little short on time. Awful. Uh, <laughs> and I know Ryan's life force is fading quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> so, World Cup's happening um, right now as we speak. Uh, I did kind of take this from Top Gear, uh, this idea, but I wanted to kind of run with it. Um, Good artists create, but great artists steal. Just remember that. Yes, that's true. Um Anyway, so with Top Gear, I'm sorry, I just, I, I fat fingered something on my computer, just ruined it. You fap fingered something? Fat fingered. Oh, okay. With the World Cup of Cars, uh, Top Gear had this, I, this post, so it's just a clickbait thing where they said, here's the best car from every country in the World Cup. And what's interesting about that is not all the cars, not all the countries in the World Cup create cars, like Senegal does not make a car. No way. Yeah. I would have never thought. However, um, we all know, like, Germany makes a car, and Italy and America do, but Italy and America aren't in it. So not everybody in the world is in the World Cup, um, which is actually really interesting because that leaves out a bunch of who the best people in the world would be. All the countries in the World Cup right now are Belgium, Germany, England, Spain, Poland, Iceland, Serbia, France, Portugal, Switzerland, Croatia, That is a Sweden. lot of countries. One second. Okay. Denmark. Iran, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, Australia, Egypt, Senegal, Tunisia, Morocco. You already said Senegal. No, I said Senegal earlier. Um, Mexico, Costa Rica, Panama, Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, Colombia, and Peru. So most of those countries, you cannot even think of a car from, so I've had to do some research to figure this out. Anyway, as the World Cup progresses, we're going to pit the best cars from each of those countries in a face-off to see what the best car in the world is. And just going to be a debate amongst... But amongst, like, well, me, Berger, and I, and whoever our guest is at that point in time. I don't do sports, so you guys can both debate Well, this. we're not debating sports, we're debating cars. Yeah, but it's using a sports analogy, so I just I can't yeah. participate. Okay, yeah. so who makes a better car? Saudi Arabia, which they make a single SUV that is plug-ugly, called a KSU Gazal 1. Or That's got Russia. so much gold leaf in it. Uh, yeah, Google Russia. It. Pop it up on the screen. What is it called? The KSU Gazal, G-A-Z-A-L, one. Well, Russia made Lada at one point. And yes, Lada they did. Lada. Oh, they that is really it. ugly. Yeah, put up on I'm the screen for on people it. to see it. 
Um, it's pulling this up a lot of photos of burkas too. This oh, is dear. this is the uh, only car made in Saudi Arabia, and it is based off the G wagon. Oh God, why? Yeah, that is really ugly. It is truly is... horrific looking. Oh. Anyway, Russia, as we all know, make an abundance of fantastic cars. Like, what is the best car from Russia? It's gonna be some Lada. Jub, some a lot of, do you agree? Or is it a gas Volga? A lot of Neva. La, or some, a lot of Neva? I think it's a lot of Riva. Because uh, a lot of Riva is a non-interference engine. It's based off of very... Dude, the, the timing components are never going to fail. It's Russian. Yeah. They're probably made out of, like, I don't know, rebel bones? So so the the lot of Neva, and it, you would say, is better than a lot of Riva. I would say so. Or, or some gigantic military truck that I can't name. Yeah, like the U.S. The gods. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm surprised you didn't say Gaz Volga. In this I don't. Gonna, I this is going to shock you, but I don't actually know as much about Russian vehicles as yeah, you do. Same. Oh, a Gaz Volga is a full size or a mid sized Russian car used for the KGB that had a basically a knockdown of a four to five liter V8. You mean a four point nine? It, whatever the the three hundred two yeah four point yeah four point nine four point it'd be a no, it's a knockdown off. it's a knockdown of a, of I want to make vinyls that fit over factory five badges that say, say four point nine <laughs> stick them on people's cars because it's not a five liter so uh, between the 49, Saudi Arabian Gazal KSU one and the Lada Neva which one would you say is the best not having known almost anything about your option I'm gonna go with the Lada Neva the, well the KSU Gazal one I mean it's Literally, a Mercedes anything G-Wagon. that's not that. I get the. It's gist, really ugly. But... <laughs> it's, I don't care what it's based on. Well, it's... we also had to bump this forward because we were we were trying to come up with a little bit of filler. Okay, so <laughs> we don't have to continue this on. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we can stop. I just thought this would be an interesting way to talk about some really weird cars from around the world. It probably is, but realistically, I didn't look at any of this beforehand either. So okay, mm-hmm. okay well, we, I, I would we never. Research anything. Uh, I, I would like to make a suggestion for like a heavy digression, but what's a heavy digression? Uh, you and I had actually talked about this um, off the podcast or yeah. many days ago. Remind um, me. But just kind of bringing it back to me and pride and all this. Um, me being a transplant amongst like the car community. Yeah. How, like, growing up in rural Wisconsin, I. You know, yeah, well, what was that? Oh, tell me about the culture change between growing up in rural Wisconsin and those car people versus what you find in an urban area. Like, <laughs> growing up, I was surrounded by like lifted GMT 400 Ugh, mud trucks gross. that all sound like a giant bowl of turds rolling down the road. And I know the stock noise. cam, stock diff, stock tranny, but cut, cut off mufflers. Yeah, cut off at the manifolds, trying Sick. to turn a set of 37s. And they aren't. Yeah. And, <laughs> the 700 and R4 not locking either, up because there's not enough wheel speed. Either that that or, you know, boomers and, like, 57 Bel Airs and, you know, the, that. Your typical back to the 50s crowd yeah. is what I grew up around. Okay. But now, you know, among meeting more people, you know, through the internet and whatnot, coming to the cities more... You know, once I turned, you know, 16, had my license, I was able to go do things. Mm-hmm. I was able to come explore, you know, I I was 17 when I first kind of put a toe into, like, the import community and whatnot. And mm-hmm. at one point, you know, I did the same thing every kid does and thinks, you know, the 240SX is the best thing on the planet. And 
blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I bought I, 30s. I, had, I, had, I had that period when I was 14 as well. Yeah. Um, I was a few years late on that, but, um, you know, and going from owning like a 93 Caprice with a 700 R4. Gross. And, you know, bench seating. Not gross. Bench... 700 R is a terrible trans. It is. Yeah, but it's a cool car. I've owned two. They're terrible. It's a cool car. We're talking about trend. the 700 R4. Yeah. Not but, the Caprice B-Body. Right. Um, and, you know, coming from owning a Caprice with a 700 R4 and bench seating for eight and now daily driving a Japanese mini truck. Yep. I mean, the culture shift has been wild. It's very radical. And Which um, which you appreciate more? Because, I, I, like, I've got, like, my mental picture of what, like, like rural yee truck bros are. And it's probably just, like, a dude that's, like... Oh, the best truck ever is a K fifteen hundred. Except they never call it a K fifteen hundred. I've got no reason. Except they never call it a K fifteen hundred. It's already it's always a Silverado, even though even if they don't have the Silverado trim package. Yeah, see that I, I don't know. I, I just have my I have my my thing about that where I just assume what those people are like. I guess I can't you, say for no, sure. No, you're how, you're fairly dead on. I how I'm genuinely curious how we digress this far from World Cup of Cars. Yeah, because I do well, have one, I, I have one more match I want to do. Oh. Well, I, I was, this I was, one actually, Burger, you should bring we're this up. an hour and sixteen minutes. Just oh my! Bring the and I'm almost bring it up on your on uh, your screen real quick. Okay. Um, I'm gonna talk about Morocco versus Iran. Okay. Uh, oh, if dear. you scroll down on the uh, Motor Cult podcast notes, you'll see a link to like Iran will have a, a link on it, and so will Morocco. How far down is this? This is uh, under the w- with all the other. Future oh, okay. topic suggestions. So want... Iran and Morocco. So these are two car, two countries that you cannot think of a car from. No. And speaking of mini trucks. Oh, no. Iran, Iran, I guess I should say, makes the coolest mini truck currently in production. Oh, it's struggling oh. with Morocco. Oh, no. And Morocco makes um, something you would never imagine from that country. <sighs> Oh, you just linked to the Wikipedia pages. I gotta pull That's these fine. things up. That's Hold fine. On. No, you're not gonna be able to see that on the TV. You won't. No. We well, can. We will. Other well, the people. the Iran one is from this Jordan. Is Morocco, I think. Uh, yes, that is it. That and then that doesn't look like it belongs in Iran. Morocco. Yeah, they're uh, they're actually super cool. Um, is that mini truck? Yes. Which I'm... has the like the Japanese sun behind it. Because it's actually a knockdown kit of a Mazda uh, Porter or a Ford Courier that's hmm. still in production. as Exactly as it was in 1976. This means I can get a new frame for mine. Boom. Exactly. You just have to go to Iran. Yes, you do. And I would be murdered the instant I stepped off the plane. So the question nah, is... just install some freedom. Uh, what is... Operation Irani Freedom. So the question is, what is cooler... That mini truck, which is dead reliable and super fucking awesome. And still, or or n- look up the Laraki Epitome. It's on a different part of that page. I'm thinking that's going to go like full Zenvo and like yeah, the light on one. fire. And Isn't that Epitome? That's Epitome. Okay. Uh, it is a C6 Corvette LSV8. Oh. Um, with, that's heavily turbocharged, runs on 91 octane, and makes 1,200 horsepower. If you put 110 octane into it, it makes 1,700 horsepower. It's made of carbon fiber and weighs 2,800 pounds. Oh, God. It, I still it, don't want it. It, it, it. It's Corvette. Ah. What it, w- which one is cooler? The truck. I, I vote Iran. 
The truck, I think, the is cooler. cooler. The truck is cooler. Uh, or I a mean, 1200 horsepower carbon fiber LS powered supercar. I can get that without going to Morocco, though. Like, I could build that out of a C6 Corvette and not have to deal with, like, yeah, I think Moroccan that... reliability. So, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, or, you know, I'm expecting the electronics to be, like, sub Lucas quality. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, I'm gonna go with a Ron. I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna have to mini have, truck wins. Yeah, mini truck wins. <laughs> okay. the, the modern version. <laughs> to no one's surprise whatsoever, we picked a mini truck. I feel yeah. like to a normal person, like if you pick some random guy we walking don't down know the street, people. no, we don't. And he said, "What's cooler, a Loraki Epitome or a, what's the name of the, the mini truck?" I don't know. I closed it. Oh, or an Iran, a or, Mazda 77 truck. Yeah, or a yeah. current production. I think it's, it's like a, I think it's actually made by like Kazal or something. But uh, I say, what's cooler, an old 70s mini truck or a supercar? Anyway, it's not a car person would say, oh, the supercar, duh. Anyway, it's a car person would say, oh, the mini truck? It's way more fun to drive. It's also green, which is awesome. Yeah. And, and it's they really had, like, like cool. it's from the 60s. They had, like, the, like, the tarp hooks oh, on yeah. the, or along the bed rails. It is if called, it had it was, fender mirrors, it would be a no-brainer. It yeah, is absolutely. called the Zamyad Z24. Ooh. Yes. On that if it does it have anyway. a two point four liter? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. So, for, I want to move over to interesting engineering. Yeah, we're gonna do interesting. We yeah, out. let's go ahead and close it out. <laughs> so uh, for this week, I'm gonna do something that's a little bit uncommon, but we've seen it implemented very similarly in a few vehicles along the last fifty years, and that is accessory drives for mid-engine vehicles that are actually driven forward of the engine power plant using a jack shaft. And then there's an independent belt drive with all of the accessories up front. So the two examples I've got are the Toyota Previa, which had the engine mounted on its side underneath the driver's seats. And it had a small drive shaft, which unfortunately the TV isn't going to pull this up very well. I'm sorry, guys, for the video podcast. But it had like a three-foot drive shaft that went from the front of the crank through literally a bolt-on drive shaft and a guibo to the fan, the air conditioning compressor, the alternator, the power steering pump, and if you had the supercharged version, the supercharger as well. Now, supercharger, everything, that's all right at the front of the car, correct? So, like, you yeah. open the... you open the hood so it's all serviceable like a regular car. Oh, and... Oh, wow. And that's... it's still a mid-engine. So, oh. that was not originally thought up by Toyota. That was definitely the first implementation for Toyota and the first implementation and onlyest in a minivan. But Citroen was doing this back in the day with their SM, and then also Lancia did this on a few cars as well. But this is a photo of an SM under the hood, and you can see this little shaft back here. That goes to that little V6 engine. And up here, we've got the pump for the hydrogas suspension, the air conditioning compressor, the power steering pump. Probably And steering. everything is still mounted backwards. And, yeah, all of that shit is... <laughs> it would counter-rotate on these cars because all the accessories are facing back. You know, so you le- need special leave accessories. it to Citroen to make something so simple in the hardest way possible. Yeah. Like they, if they could have rotated everything, they could have used, you know, a standard air conditioning compressor, yes. yeah. a standard alternator yes. uh-huh. and the belts would have been serviceable. I think the alternator yes. probably worked, but the air conditioning compressor definitely needs to be unique. Yeah. And the power steering pump or whatever, the oil pump for the, yeah. the fluid for the suspension. That, that's, that's kind of what we're getting at. Is but they did make that as difficult as possible. I think these are really cool. No, that is super it, cool. It's I, very I, interesting. I don't understand why you would ever do that. I don't either. Actually, I, I guess another one, another one is uh, Volkswagen 2OT. They have that stupid little jack shaft for the f- 
fucking well, water we're pump. talking about that. I mean, this is specifically a mid-mounted engine with a forward accessory drive. But yeah, if we're talking weird shit, we'll talk about the R8 V10, yeah. which has regular belt drive on the front. Yeah. One of the pulleys has two bearings, goes through an ear on the block, goes to a small toothed belt, and then that goes to a CV shaft to the back of the engine where the air conditioning compressor is because that's the only place they could fit it. That's so stupid. It, the parasitic loss it. for the air conditioning on that car must be horrendous. The, they were trying so to ridiculous. shove 10 pounds of shit into a 5 pounds. Well, Correct. no, the thing is, Audi designed this vehicle yeah. and every component of it. Yeah. They didn't have somebody that could have just said, wait, why don't we just move this? Because, keep in mind, this power plant was shared with the Gallardo. I, n- I know that. So they let some Italians work that part out. And, I mean, I guess so the ridiculous. chassis was originally designed for that V8. And then yeah. They, yep. So, it more, more accurately, it'd be, you know, 10 pounds of shit in an 8-pound sack. And, uh, yes. So that, that's probably... <laughs> I, 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 just, I love making On Tucker's great... Bombshell. Not even a Not pun. That pun. I think that's what we should end on. Yeah. <laughs> Thank our you, next, Tucker. Our next guest is in the house, so stay tuned for episode 26. But Yay. thanks again, Tucker, for coming on. It was great to have you. Yeah. yeah Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you for listening, I, everyone. I'm sorry and now for I need to go you. bathe all of this American car talk off of my body. Good. Let's do that. I'm done with American cars. If, if you ever need to... <laughs> Thank if, God if, we got this episode done. If you ever need a reason to <laughs> cleanse your brain, fun, just, you know, just bring me back on. and I'll just know. look at a 2000 Buick regal that works too (laughs) exactly all right take care guys appreciate it thanks see you bye